Hey, Crime Salad listeners, this is Ashley here with Crime Salad, and with me always is my partner in crime, Ricky. Hey, guys. All right, so we have a few things going on. We just released a few things in our store, so if you haven't checked it out yet, definitely do. Just go to our website at crimesaladpodcast.com. There's a few things in there that we thought were really cool. Ricky really liked the... uh, I think it was the True Crime and Chill. Oh, yeah, that one's really cool. It has like an acid wash. So we thought that was really neat. It's really cool. It's kind of like skaterish. Yeah. And we ordered a few things for ourselves. So we can't wait to try them on. We're also jumping back into Patreon. So, you know, it's kind of something we took a break with a little bit, but, you know, we want to get back into it and start doing shout outs. Uh, we kind of, you know, took all the tiers down to just two. So you can currently only give a dollar or three dollars, but three dollars gives you like the back catalog, some of our early episodes, uh, stuff when we were kind of just starting. So they're pretty interesting. Like Diane Downs is our very first case, the voice in our intro. So you can check that out there for three dollars. But I wanted to give a shout out to our current patrons. So we have Marissa, Miles, Helen, Madison, Cassandra, Erica, Jamie, Jeanette, and Sarah. Thank you guys so much for the support. It honestly means so much to us. It really does. Thank you guys so much from the bottom of our hearts. We also want to start doing a little bit more with the Patreon. I think we're going to add like a Q&A, start adding some bonus material type stuff in the future. But right now we're just keeping it down to, um, you know, kind of $1, $3. A lot of people were asking like, hey, how can I support you? Well, this is kind of a way to do that. Yeah. So thank you. All right, so let's jump into this week's case. When police responded to a domestic dispute call in Louisville in 2009, they had no idea that they were about to learn about a murder that happened six months earlier. A murder of a man they didn't even know was missing. According to coworkers and friends, Jeffrey Munt was a hardworking, friendly, and all-around normal guy living in Louisville. Joey Bannis was a convicted felon, addicted to meth, who owned a club downtown. When the two met online in 2009, their relationship was surprising to many. But no one could have anticipated that it would have ended in the murder of another man. As their trial unfolded, the story has become a he said, he said case that perhaps resulted in a guilty man getting away with murder. Born in the early 1970s, Jeffrey Munt went to Atherton High School in Louisville, Kentucky, where he was an athlete and well-liked, and he swam for the Lakeside Swim Club. After graduating from high school, he moved to Bloomington, Indiana to get his bachelor's degree from Indiana University in 1991. After four years there, he moved up to Evanston near Chicago to get his master's at Northwestern University. 
After finishing that up, he stayed to work on a major IT project for his alma mater to modernize their financial record system. After three years as an employee with the university, he eventually became their director of finance. But eventually, Jeff wanted to go back to his hometown of Louisville. And in May of 2009, he left his job at Northwestern for a new career in the University of Louisville's IT department. His coworkers all enjoyed working with him, noting that he was always friendly and was a serious hard worker. Jeff's hard work in IT had earned him quite the paycheck, and he purchased an 8,000-square-foot historical house in Old Louisville, originally built in 1897. Although it's just creepy enough to be living in an old house built over 100 years ago. Now, this house had a dark history. In the late 1920s, it was the former home of a doctor who would experiment on his patients who were suffering from cancer and tuberculosis. And there was another time in history where a tenant beat his landlord to death. Jeff's time in this home would be no less dark. Jeffrey Munt didn't live alone in his eight-bedroom, seven-bathroom, and five-living-room home. And although he was from Louisville, he hadn't lived there for quite some time. So he turned to the internet to meet friends and date, and it was through an online site that he met Joseph Bannis. Joey was the same age as Jeff, also born in 1972, but his upbringing and life was far from different. Joey had a meth addiction, which had led him to being incarcerated on drug possession charges years earlier. After getting out of jail in 2009, he opened his own dance club in downtown Louisville. Joey and Jeff began a relationship after meeting online, and Joey quickly moved into Jeff's old Louisville home. Their relationship was tumultuous, as they often fought, did drugs together, and partied. Joey and Jeff met online in the fall of 2009. Joey also met another man online, a man who owned his own hair salon named James Carroll. Only a few months after Joey moved in with Jeff was when the murder happened. What comes next comes from Joey Bannis during this trial. But Jeff Munt's trial told a slightly different story, as each man tried to pin the crime on their former lover. But what we do know is that a man named Jamie Carroll ended up dead, and Joey and Jeff know what happened. According to Joey, in December of 2009, he had met James Carroll online. James, or Jamie, was a hairdresser in Lexington. Like Joey, he was addicted to meth and other drugs, and he was their drug dealer. Joey and Jeff decided to invite Jamie over to their shared home in Louisville for sex and to do drugs. Once there, the three men smoked meth together before engaging in sexual intercourse. This is where the stories differ. Each man says that the other became jealous and then became violent. According to Jeff, Joey Bannis picked up a knife and stabbed Jamie in the throat. When this didn't kill him, he got a gun and shot him dead. Joey then allegedly pointed the gun at Jeff and threatened to kill him too, if Jeff didn't help clean up and hide Jamie's body. According to Joey, the opposite occurred. It was Jeff who was jealous, Jeff who murdered Jamie, and Jeff made the threats. Their stories lined up here. 
Together, Joey and Jeff wrapped Jamie's body in old sheets and dragged him down into the basement. Because the home was old, it had a rarely used wine cellar below ground. They began digging here, but realized that digging through the floor would be more difficult than they anticipated. So they went to a nearby hardware store and picked up more appropriate tools to dig through the hard clay. They grabbed a pick and shovel. They came back home to get back to work on digging a big enough hole to hide Jamie, but realized that in taking so long, his body had began to stiffen as rigor mortis set in. They removed anything of value from Jamie's body, cleaned off any potential prints and removed his clothes. Then they took a large sledgehammer and used it to beat his body into smaller, malleable parts. They tied his destroyed body up with twine and forced it into a 50-gallon plastic container. They covered Jamie Carroll's dead body up with lime to help it decompose faster and lessen the smell that would inevitably come. They taped on the lid, covered it with a sealing foam, and heaved the container into a six-foot deep hole that they had just dug in the wine cellar. They covered the hole back up with dirt, and that was it. James Carroll was never reported missing. No one was looking for him. James's family said that they often went many months without talking to him. So having not heard from him for a while wasn't a reason to be worried. And as a meth dealer and addict, their relationship had been strained through the years of arrests and struggles. His family assumed that in the months that they haven't heard from their son, that he had ended up in prison. On the day that he died, James Carroll had skipped his sentencing in court on a drug-related arrest. For months, Jeffrey Munt and Joey Bannis continued living like they hadn't killed a man and disposed of his body in their basement. But their behavior had grown more erratic and dangerous. In April of 2010, a bit more than four months after James's murder, the couple went up to Chicago to attend a party. At least that's what they told others. According to Joey, they were actually there trying to build a bomb to set off in town. But this story later changed to they were actually planning on robbing a bank. They had rented a room at the Hyatt Regency Hotel right downtown. After checking in, Jeff gave a wet $100 bill to the doorman, asking him to break it into smaller bills for him. The doorman was skeptical that the bill was legit so he went to talk to his boss at the hotel. His boss shared his concern, and the police were immediately called to investigate. When they arrived, they found more than they could have anticipated. Jeff and Joey had $55,000 in mostly counterfeit cash, knives, guns, including the one used to kill James Carroll, and bottles of GHB, also known as the date rape drug. Alarmed by what they found, police arrested Joey Bannis and Jeff Munt immediately and charged them with a long list of crimes. Jeff was given a bail of $50,000 and Joey's was set at $200,000. They were released from Chicago prison after posting 10% of their bail, promising to return and they were able to go back to their home in Louisville, Kentucky. After posting bail and returning home, they went on with their lives, but tensions were high. On the night of June 17th, 2010, Jeff and Joey got into one of their worst fights yet when Jeff decided that he wanted to break up. 
Joey didn't take it well and became enraged. Jeff locked himself in one of the bedrooms and called 911 for help. While talking to dispatchers, Jeff told them that Joey had a knife and he was threatening him. In the background of the call, Joey can be heard banging on the bedroom door, unaware that Jeff had called the police. The Louisville police quickly arrived at the house and arrested Joey. In an attempt to stay out of jail and to throw the blame back at Jeff, Joey told police while being questioned about the domestic dispute that he had valuable information about a murder that had been unreported. The police, shocked and alarmed, took his claim seriously, and Joey brought the officers back to Jeff's house. He took them into the old wine cellar and told them about James Carroll's murder, but making sure to place the blame on Jeff Munt. Police dug in the spot that Joey said Jamie was buried and found the plastic container and his mutilated, decaying body there. Unsure of the entire story, Joey and Jeff were both immediately arrested and taken into custody for the murder of Jamie. As they interrogated each man, their accounts of what happened that night were relatively the same. But the main detail that was switched was who held the knife and gun. Who was responsible for murdering Jamie? Each blamed each other for what had happened. Police were skeptical that either man alone was really responsible. They theorized that Joey and Jeff conspired together to kill Jamie, knowing that he would have drugs and money on him. They suggested that in their attempts to rob Jamie, they had accidentally ended up killing him, and that was why they worked together to hide the body. Neither Jeff or Joey agreed to this theory. They remained firm in their differing accounts that the other was the sole real murderer. Without any agreement, both men were jailed to await a trial. Jeff Munt and Joey Bannis were each tried separately by their own request in Louisville for the murder of Jamie Carroll. Through their trials, they remained firm on their innocence and the other's guilt. Joey Bannis was tried first in March of 2013. His trial lasted for nearly two weeks. In order to avoid the death penalty, Jeff agreed to testify against his former partner, telling a story about how Joey had gotten angry during a threesome with Jamie, killed him, and threatened to do the same to Jeff if he didn't help cover up what happened. The jury deliberated for 10 hours before coming back with a guilty verdict for nearly every charge levied against him. His sentence was decided in a plea agreement between attorneys after nearly five hours of negotiations. Joseph Bannis was sentenced to life in prison with the possibility of parole after 20 years. Joey had been given the same options as Jeff, testify against his ex-partner and be exempt from the death penalty. It was because of this deal that Joey wasn't given the death penalty, which the prosecution expressed interest in pursuing after his guilty verdict. In Jeff's trial, Joey remained firm that it was Jeff who killed James Carroll. His testimony took nearly 10 minutes, and he maintained that despite his sentencing. He was an innocent man. For 10 days, Jeff Munt's trial went on, and like Joey's, it took nearly eight hours for the jury to deliberate. Jeff's lawyer had made the case that Jeff was a regular stand-up guy until he met Joey Bannis online in 2009. His lawyer suggested that it was Joey who had led and convinced Jeff to get involved in any of the crimes he was accused of. 
During the trial, Jeff's lawyer said that he had been a law-abiding, very successful person. He was well-educated, he had a successful career, he was well-liked, and never had any run-ins with the police. After meeting Joey Bannis, according to Jeff's lawyer, Jeff was led into a darker world. And after only knowing him for nine weeks, there was a body in his basement. Jeff's lawyer told jurors that Jeff was targeted by Joey Bannis and that Joey was a dangerous psychopath. Jeff, according to his defense, was a victim in an abusive relationship, threatened into keeping silent. Jeff's lawyer also accused the prosecutors of being homophobic and that their choice to show a sex tape privately recorded between Jeff and Joey was to shock jurors and to play into their prejudices. The prosecution defended their choice, saying that their goal was to determine that Jeff had a consensual relationship with Joey. The prosecution suggested that Jeff wasn't living in constant fear, like Jeff's lawyer implied, but that he had willingly gone along with sex, drug use, and other crimes with Joey Bannis, continuing months after Jamie Carroll was murdered. By the end of Jeff's trial, the jurors found that he was not guilty of murdering James Carroll, but he wasn't entirely innocent. They convicted him of two lesser charges of criminal facilitation, of robbery and tampering with physical evidence. The jury recommended eight years in prison for the lesser crimes, but because he had already spent time in prison waiting for his trial over three years, Jeffrey Munt was given immediate parole and was released. Though Jeffrey Munt was cleared of murdering charges, he still faces trial for possession of counterfeit money from his arrest with Joey in Chicago. While Jeff walks free, Joey Bannis remains in prison for James Carroll's murder. To this day, he remains firm that he is innocent. He has attempted to appeal his verdict, saying that he only accepted it because he was forced into it. As a result of undue influence and prosecutorial misconduct, essentially, his appeals claim that Jeff was not required to be truthful in his testimony and that he was coerced into agreeing to the plea deal. According to his appeal, Joey claims that the prosecutors conspired with his lawyer and Jeff Munt in order to get Jeff a better deal and for Joey to take the blame for what happened. Joey believes that investigators had decided that he was guilty of the murder and worked towards making any evidence fit that while ignoring the role that Jeff played in what happened. Joey claims that even the prosecutors thought that Jeff was lying in his testimony, but didn't care. Joey Bannis's appeal was denied. Though both trials are over, prosecutors aren't entirely sure justice was served. Ryan Conroy, the assistant prosecutor, had said that Jeff was living this secret life, this life where he was doing drugs and he was counterfeiting money and he was participating in the killing of another individual. As sick as it sounds, I think he was thrilled and loved every minute of that crazy ride. Another assistant county attorney said that both of them, Munt and Bannis, were the two most diabolical, intelligent individuals I have ever met. Jeff Munt did not return to his old Louisville home after his trial. His home was sold to new owners in December of 2011. Over half the house was gutted and remodeled in order to remove any trace of the horrible things that occurred there over the years. Joey Bannis, now 46 years old, remains in prison at the Kentucky Department of Corrections. His earliest possible release date is June of 2030. 
to combat loneliness, he signed up for Write a Prisoner Correspondence and maintains that he is incarcerated for a crime that he did not commit. His case is still under appeal, but there is no word on if it will be successful. Despite the jury's decision, we have to wonder if Jeffrey Munt successfully got away with murder like Joey Bannis claims. Were the police right in thinking that Joey and Jeff worked together to kill James Carroll? Was it Joey, high on methamphetamines and incredibly angry, who stabbed and shot Jamie? Or was it all Jeff Munt, a manipulative killer who put on the facade of a nice guy and got away with murder? Comment and let us know what you guys think. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Crime Salad is a Weird Salad production. Are you kidding me? That was perfect.